Locked On Podcast Network and State Farm present Paving the Way, a new series highlighting important voices across Locked On's network. Every month, our host Kanani Stevens will showcase other Locked On hosts who come from underserved communities to hear the challenges they face to become a sports broadcast personality. Who will be paving the way this episode? Find out now. State Farm believes it's important to champion diverse voices and create positive impacts in our neighborhoods. That's why our good neighbors at State Farm are proud to support Paving the Way, the series, and their mission to provide support to underserved communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This week's episode features Candace Cooper, host of Locked On ACC. She talks about her journey from college student athlete to sports radio and beyond. Candace, I always tell you this when we talk, I don't play favorites, but you are my favorite um, at Locked On. One of my, definitely one of my top favorites. Um, So, so happy that you agreed to join us and do a little bit about yourself because I know sometimes we ask a lot of other people questions and we don't talk about our own stories very often. So I'm going to hammer you and ask you a couple questions and see how this goes. Listen, I would have not said yes to anybody else but you. So I'm happy to be here and doing this. Yes, 100%. Love you for it. Um, Let's talk a little bit like how you grew up. A lot of us, you know, sports is part of our lives from the get-go. Was your family kind of the same way? Was sports always a big part of things for you? Yeah, absolutely. Born and raised in Raleigh, North Carolina. So being a part of the hoop state and my dad played basketball at St. Aug. So he was a big athlete. My mom did ice skating at Smith College. So, you know, she she counts that, you know, she can do a figure eight, you know, all the things. And I always wanted to go far away, but ended up right down the street at Chapel Hill And I just knew my journey was going to be a unique one because I was a swimmer. I was first African-American girl to swim at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And so that's been kind of an experience of its own. Mm -hmm. Been excited about just the opportunity to sort of share that story, how swimming has sort of helped me and paved the way for me and really got me into my career in all facets. So, yeah, started out, barely can make it down the pool ended up being in Olympic trials. So it's just, you know, a real testimony to perseverance and all that fun stuff. And you're setting an example on that, you know, obviously being African-American and swimming is, is pretty rare as well. So kind of trailblazing in that way, what was that like for you? Was it difficult? I mean, was it just kind of figuring it out as it goes? How did it go for you? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to have a young lady by the name of Blair Cross who family grew up sort of round the way and her family pretty much showed us the ropes. She was like a year and a half older than me. So she would, you know, show me how swimming supposed to go, how to wear your swim cap, how to wear your goggles, what suits to wear. You know, our one of the first meets, it started raining and my parents were like packing up because culturally we're like, hey, swimming in no rain. Like, what are we doing? And they were like, no, we stay, we stick it out, we thug it out, all the stuff. So like, you know, just those little minor things. She also helped me, you know, in terms of being in different circles, different social settings, just how to adapt. And like, you're used to being around your family who acts a certain way. Like my family from Kinston, North Carolina, very country, all the things. Mm-hmm. And so being in, you know, different surroundings, social settings, it certainly was an adjustment because, you know, the way people talk to you, the way people, you know, have some ignorant thoughts because they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. It was always like a, I'm more of like a TTG trained to go. I'm a respond very like, yeah. all right, what? <laughs> Defensive. <laughs> and so I had to learn like that style of communication and just mm-hmm. educating people more so than, you know, being on the 
someone's always coming at me as a person. And so I think that that was really important as I grew up, just being in certain settings, going to a North Carolina, going to Wake Forest, going, you know, working in the business world and having people that don't necessarily look like me, but being in that space and having that platform to educate people. Absolutely. Kind of adapting as you go along for sure. Yes, very Um, much so. You swam in college and then after kind of how did you realize you're like, I still want to be involved in sports? Like how did that kind of evolve for you? Yeah. So I had no identity outside of swimming. I mean, if you grow up being a black swimmer, like you're the black mermaid, you're the black Michael Phelps, you're all, all, all the nicknames throw it out there. Like me having this little mermaid aside, Ariel, like I was a black mermaid. Like I just thought I was a mermaid. So this is very full circle to watch that kind of come to life in a little bit like tear, tears in the closet, two thug tears, of course, mm-hmm. but like couple tears. And so I had no identity outside of what everyone had named me because I was so different. And so trying to figure out what life looked like after I retired from swimming was very hard. I like immediately got into therapy after a year and was just trying to be like, what do I know how to do? What am I good at beyond just athletics? And I do still enjoy athletics. I love what sports can do because I love the kind of diversity that it brings and how it brings diverse people together, you know, for a common interest. So I was like, I want to be in that space, but don't necessarily know how to get there. And I ended up just kind of starting in broadcasting was at a networking event and really just used my big mouth <laughs> and okay. talked my way into a radio local radio show. Shout out to the sports shop for giving me a one day a week, three hour gig and just letting me come and shoot it. And then the next thing you know, it kind of took off and grew a life of its own. I'm glad you brought up identity. That's so true for, I mean, a lot of athletes, but anybody that kind of really like dives into their job too, because it's hard to separate sometimes like who you are, but um, yeah. finding yourself really helps you. I feel like be better at your job when you can do that. Or if, you know, if athletics are who you think you are at one point, but um, can you talk a little bit about radio? I started in radio too, just kind of like interning, like working my way in. And like, I feel like that really, like you really figure out whether you like it or not right away. And like that, I mean, that's where the work ethic comes from, in my opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. I think radio is probably one of the hardest, but most rewarding things because at the end of the day, like you have to listen to my opinion. Like you can't look at me. You can't see if I'm beautiful or not. Like you can't see if I'm butt ugly or not. Like you have to listen to my opinions and give that feedback. And just by chance, I happen to be gorgeous. When you find me on social media, that's like a bonus. You know what I'm saying? So I think it forced me to like be on my ish because like we all know in this industry, when you're a female, if you get it wrong, they're going to make sure you know it 10 times over. So it forced a different sort of hustle in that regard. But it's also learning the sides of radio business is a grind. It's tough. It's not lucrative. It's something that you really have to enjoy doing. And my first full-time gig was in Houston. I was on a national radio show called All the Above. And 90 days in, we had, you know, the world stopped. I don't know if you know. Um, in 2020, oh. there's a little, a little mini a little pandemic, COVID <laughs> a, little, a little COVID thing. So it was like last one hired, first one fired. Oh. And it was like, after all of that work, all the years of grinding, oh. all the years of going and doing free coverage for, for games, making reels by myself, you know, all of that stuff. I was like, here's the reward season. I get the reward. And then it just kind of comes to a head. You want to talk about identity crisis. You want to talk about mm-hmm. being upset at the heavens above, like how? How did this happen? You know, so that was definitely one of those things where, you know, having all the jobs to survive, as mm-hmm. we talk about, and having all of that taken away, like I had to reemerge once again, like, who am I outside of my work? Who am mm-hmm. I outside of, you know, doing the day to day? And I think that helped me in my you know new way of life and thinking of, regardless of any job, I am who I am. I built this, you know, character persona and all that fun stuff. So, yeah. 
Candice, you always seem like from when I've met you, you're so sure of yourself. You, you know who you are. And I think when I, I don't know if you ever went through this. I'm, I'm curious. When I was younger, it was like, because I was a female and I knew that people were going to come at me, I was always like, I got to know everything. I got to go this, that, and the other, because if someone else says something wrong, it's like, oh, he just forgot something. But if I say it wrong, it's like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to figure out how to do that, but also be myself mm-hmm. because you are concerned more about like getting things and like not messing up as opposed to like being authentic. Like, did you ever have a problem with that? Or did you feel like you were able to do that right out of the gate? Yeah. hundred percent had an issue because I mean, at the end of the day, being a black swimmer, I didn't have the luxury of getting it wrong. Like other people did. I didn't have the luxury of getting in trouble or in someone not knowing, right. Everyone goes to a party. We get all get in trouble for underage drinking. Who are they looking at? Right. So it's like, I didn't have that luxury of not being on my P's and Q's at all times. And that carried over into education, carried over into just, you know, social settings. So I really struggled with just like still struggle with (laughs) unpacking in therapy, all that fun stuff Mm -hmm. of just not feeling like I have to be on it being in production. You know, you have to put out fires all the time. You have to make sure that you're two steps ahead of the game and preparing and then life still happens and being okay with that and being willing to adapt to be nimble, which, you know, I've grown in and now feel very comfortable and thrive at. It's exciting to like be able to be that example, maybe, or I like to think of it that way that maybe you didn't have, like we had examples, but I mean, just being open about, you know, struggles and stuff. I feel like it's a lot easier to talk about now. Um, Is there people that you watched when you were younger and you're kind of like, oh, I want to be like that when I grow up? Or um, did you kind of feel like you need to make your own way? Yeah, definitely had to make my own way. I think stubbornly want to make my own way. Like my mom had you know, her set of connections, but I never tried to like thrive off that because she always pushed independent female and doing all the things. And I'm, you know, womenhood, women empowerment. She grew up in the 70s. So she big yeah. like, you know, Black Panther energy. I want to make sure my, my <laughs> strong Black woman, you know how to do. But then on the flip side, like, hey, it's okay to be soft right? It's okay to be, give your, give yourself grace, let alone give others grace. And so, you know, my mom was very fierce, very brilliant and like very humble about it. And so I think, you know, I tried to emulate some of those characteristics now, but a lot of the women in my life um, have always been people that I look to and admire just from a being about your business, but also being able to be a family woman, being able to just carry and do it all. And as I've gotten older and recognize that you can't do it all. And like, they, I think, one of the things I wish I had more of is the honesty, the transparency of like, yeah, this is just hard. <laughs> like this oh, is, yeah. this is, this is not easy. And like, I make it work. I make it look good because of like, you know, I have no other choice. And it's almost like you operate out of that like survivor mindset instead of thriving. So I'm trying to find that new balance, still very much working on that, but that's, that's the goal. I think for me too, like, as your life progresses, you're like, wait, like my mom had a family and a job and this and that. And like, They just expect you to do all of that. And I'm like, wait, this is really not it. Like no one warned me about this. Listen, my mom was like, I used to work 17 hours a day, come be a head of the PTA, cook you guys dinner every night. And now I understand why my mom and I ate chicken and rice. My mom and my dad, you know, why do we have chicken and rice and spaghetti and talk? I'm like easy meals. I I get it now. (laughs) Like it makes so much more sense when, but at the same time being an African-American woman in a space where your daughter is nine times out of 10, one of the only, she was going hard to ensure that it didn't look like she, like I didn't have support, right? She mm-hmm. wanted to ensure, she's like, not my baby. Like, we're going to make sure that when we have snacks, we're going to have the Capri Suns, we're going to have the grapes. We're going to make sure all we have orange slices, forget an orange. She's going to cut it up because she wants to make sure y'all know that we come in high quality at all times. Absolutely. I love mom for that. I yeah. love mom for that. When you kind of 
were going into the job field, trying to figure it out, you know, working with radio. And then, you know, obviously COVID hits, everything changes up for everybody. Nothing is the same after that. How did kind of lockdown come into your world at what point and, and what was your kind of immediate thought? How'd you get involved? Yeah. So 2020 hit, I was doing swim lessons in the pandemic, which, you know, hindsight 2020 doing yep. pool, pools are cesspools of germs. I they don't are. People know that, but I was, I was risking it all just to make a couple of yeah. dollars, had yeah. to go back to what I know. Like swimming is what I know. It's a transferable skill that I'll have for life. I could always give a swim lesson. Somebody is always going to want to know how to swim. Right. So I was doing swim lessons and then I saw an ad. I can't even remember where I saw the ad. It might've been on Twitter. It might've been on LinkedIn. Can't tell you, but it was in need of college channel hosts, university of North Carolina. And I was like, well, you know, I still want to do radio and this guy, David Locke seems legit, like, you know, Utah mm-hmm. jazz. And so I just shot my shot, sent my you know information in, had an interview did a swim lesson because I forgot about said interview, had to call David late. Okay. Let me tell you how good David, David is an angel. Mm-hmm. David said, okay, but weren't you supposed to call me like at four o'clock? And I was like, I know I'm so sorry. Like I really would appreciate, like, I want this job. So bad, you know, like pleading yeah. my case next week, he was like, you know, you got it. I really am interested. I think you have a great story and all the things It gave me my opportunity. So forever indebted, you know what I mean? Just being able to give me that shot, that pathway of locked on Tar Heels. And then I, I always like to say graduated to locked on ACC to cover mm-hmm. the whole kit and caboodle. But, you know, it really was just an opportunity to get myself reps. It really was. You know, he preached it to me playing like you'll get out of it what you put into it. And that was such a swimmer mentality to me. Mm-hmm. And so I was really just intrigued and loved that idea of, okay, this is going to be the stepping stone. It's going to be the tool that allows me to not only keep honing my craft in this radio and podcasting space, but, you know, just keep me abreast to the sports culture, sports world. Shout out to David Locke. We love him. He's a great <laughs> judge of character, that man. Great yes. judge of character. <laughs> um, when, you, when you took it on, obviously podcasting by yourself is, is hard and, and, whether it shows on your shows, probably not, but like, it's difficult. And I know you've been radio before, but like, was that just kind of like cool to like learn about yourself and kind of evolve and be like, all right, this works, this doesn't work. Like, did you kind of like enjoy that challenge? Man, I did not enjoy that challenge. Like once you get a co-host, you realize how much you don't like being by yourself. (laughs) Like even when I have to fill in by myself and do shows now, I'm like, wait, I need somebody to talk to because I realize I'm not that funny. You know what I'm saying? Like the jokes that I crack are not that great. (laughs) And you have to like fake laugh and also continue going and hope that somebody's on the back end listening. Like, ha you know, I cracked the funny. So, you know. Did you get it? Like, we'll talk about, give me a comment, you know, all that yeah. stuff. This was before YouTube. So like people, again, couldn't see me. And so I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and then when seasons get short and you have to try and st- make something stretch and you're trying to find topics, I think it was all about that self-starting, trying to make stuff cool, find a rhythm, throw a hot take out there. It's really, really find my voice. So I really appreciated the autonomy that Locked On brought for me. Logged on, obviously, network, you know, fans originated uh, doing these podcasts. So obviously UNC for you, but ACC as a whole, like, I'm sure you feel all the hate from everybody else. But was it is it kind of nice to just be like, wait, wait, wait a minute, let me like, let me prop this up and bring all bring all the things to Man. light that people maybe don't give you credit for. It is hilarious to do ACC because I have like have touched a little almost every school. Like my first swim camp that I ever went to was Virginia. I almost okay. went to Virginia Tech. I worked at Duke. NC State, I trained at for my postgrad. 
Uh, Wake Forest, I went to for grad school. North Carolina, I went to for undergrad. And so I'm like, okay, I, I feel like I know know the conference pretty well. But then, you know, you get to those Florida schools. Boy, oh boy. You Ooh. talk about Miami, and they will talk about you like a dirty dog. You talk about Florida State, you act as if I talked about their mama. Because, honey, they coming in droves. Not just one, not just two. And I'm like, I've been called everything but a child of God. I find it, I find it hilarious. But, you know, someone who's maybe a little more sensitive would be like, dang, they really come up yep. for life. But I think it's very interesting because if you don't say anything about someone, you don't give enough love. Like I had a Syracuse guy. You're not giving enough love to Syracuse defense. Like, why aren't I'm like, Dino is going to be gone in a year. You over here worried about the wrong thing. My God. But it's fine. I love going back and forth because someone always is upset. I don't talk about Louisville enough. I don't talk about the Hokies and the rebuild. Like, it's, it's never enough. It's a blessing though, because if yeah. you have fans that care that much, that means passionate. Mm-hmm. Look, Mr. Willie comes on every day and he's gonna give me all 10 comments and he's gonna break down every single segment and he's gonna give his opinion every single time we open our mouth. And I love it. Listen, we, we give shout outs all the time because we have faithful people. Like ACC is not the SEC. We understand that we're not the Big Ten and that's fine. But we have some loyal people who are just really important to our network, really important to my podcast who really just enjoy having like authentic conversations. And so I'm always for that. The ride or die. I love it. Yeah. Um, what's, what's something you want to work on or something you want to, you know, in the next couple of years that you want to see yourself doing or expanding or what are you looking forward to? You know, it's crazy because I feel like the chase I've been chasing for so long that I'm really just in a ride period. Like it's weird, you know. isn't it though? You're like, Wait, what? I'm here? Like, like I got here? I have, I've finally gotten the whole if you tell God your plans, he laughs at you five in terms of I just stopped telling God what I'm gonna do. I really have. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go move to go to the XYZ. No, you're not. You're actually gonna move to Maryland. You're gonna go do this job, you're gonna open this door, and da-da-da. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Cool. Sure. I always said I would never live this far north, but here we are, you know, so I've just, I've just gotten um, a little bit tired of telling the Lord where I'm going and what I'm doing. And I'm sort of just kind of letting it all unfold as it does. And I don't know, it's nice. I wish like, you know, everyone wants you to find out what's your five-year plan answer. I'm like, I'm trying to make it through the day. <laughs> Sometimes I'm trying to make it through the hour. Um, ultimately, I know, like I, again, I love Locked on ACC. I love what it offers me. It used to be the dream of like bigger things, but it's almost like, but if I can do my own thing and really honest this and really get this to be at a good spot, I feel like that's accomplishment instead of like trying to chase or feel as if I needed to do more. Like, why can't this be good enough? And I think how I measure things, how I have gratitude for things looks a lot different as I'm getting older. For sure. I feel that way too. And I feel like the wisdom comes with it too. Cause sometimes you put that and you're like, you get there and you're like, wait, this ain't it. Like, so then you're always kind of trying to do something else, but Hello. it's like <laughs> grass is not always greener. I think, you know, as you do more things and you realize just how cutthroat business is, cause mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's all about dollars and cents and people's bottom lines, like just be a part of a network that cares about me as a person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's way more gratifying than if I had 10 million subscribers, you know, and all that stuff. Does that, would that be nice? Absolutely. Shameless plug, all the things. But <laughs> I also think that, you know, just being, can walk away from my show at the end of the day, in the night, feeling like I gave my best, I gave my honest answers and no one's going to come down on me or make me say some clickbaity things just so we can get, mm-hmm. you know, views or anything. Like I really appreciate that about this network and just about where I'm at. So kind of just rat, riding the tide right now. I love that. Yeah. I would touch on it a little bit, but I feel like we're also at the point now where you're like, I would like some quality of life outside of work. So then when I do go to work, my cup is full and I'm ready to go. So yeah. like, I feel like that was something I really loved about lockdown is like, they understand you have a real life. They understand you're a real person. So when you come in, you can give a hundred percent. 
Yeah, I love that we don't have to do like 60 minute hour, 45 minute episodes. Like I like to, I'm a get to the meat person, like in general, get, get to the money, get me to Let's go. get your point, say, Hey, how you doing? But then get, tell me what you need because it's always something, right? Like, Hey, I just want to, how are you checking it? And you ain't checking in about nothing. Tell me what you need and we can go. So with our show, it's like, all right, I get you my point. I tell you why it's great. And we tell you why ACC is lovely and we go on about our way and I can have life after I can make, you know, a date. I can make you know a full-time job work for myself and find 30 minutes whether sometimes it's at 8 a.m sometimes it's at 11 p.m mm-hmm. you make it work and I think that's just what the nimbleness of this has been for me and how I hope to continue as a you know network and navigate through this life honestly that's great and it's a way to kind of make it work for everybody and I feel like that brings out the best for us and yeah. gives us the best product to listeners too yeah for sure. um do you have any advice for people? I know a lot of people are always reaching out that don't know a lot of what, you know, maybe went into getting to where you are or the job or what it entails. Like, how do you try to describe it to somebody and, and kind of advise them if they're trying to go into it? Man, it is a lot of grace. You know, right? It's a lot of um, no's. It's a lot of heck no's. It's a lot of unanswered calls. It's a lot of cold dialing. Like I was in a pandemic, no job, no opportunities mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, begging people for 15 minutes of their time just to like, I call it the pandemic pivot, use my business degree. All right, what kind of transferable skills do I have if I can no longer ever do radio again? You know, yep. so I think what people don't see is you see the finished product, you see the social posts, you see the highlight reels and all the things. And you assume that this thing don't take no work. And I'm trying to tell you, if you ain't ready to work, if you ain't ready to sacrifice, this is just not for you. Right. In any facet of life, especially in the sports industry, if you are not willing to sacrifice, if you're not willing to put in the work, you are going to have a very short career. Beyond that, you know, good piece of advice is work hard and understand that it can't just be you. Right. Has to be a little bit of grace, has to be a little bit of faith, has to be a little bit of timing, opportunity. Just because you feel like you are the best host and better than others, that might not be your time. It might not be your season, might not be your path. You could have almost, you know, avoided some foolishness, right? I've seen networks go down. I've seen hosts come out and not be able to do stuff anymore because of various situations. So I think just waiting your turn, but as you wait your turn, bust your tail wherever you're at. Like, I think you go where you're planted you thrive where you're planted. You make sure that if I'm the intern, I'm going to be the best dang intern. They pick mm-hmm. up every piece of trash. I've been in a hot summer in New Orleans Saints, picking up that hot trash in July where it just floods on you. And you sit there and you're like, dang, I still got to like change my clothes and keep it pushing. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, I think I've been at the lowest level and hopefully one day I'd be at the top level where I can keep continuing giving opportunities. But like in that internship, I was the best intern when I was a coordinator. Mm-hmm. When I was a man, like you got to just be great wherever you're planted because you will look, people will see it. People notice like people don't speak on everything, but a lot of people notice. And I think how you treat people, that's the other like final piece of advice. How you treat people is how you stay in any, anything. Like mm-hmm. if you're very sweet to people, you're rude to people, people notice that kind of stuff. How you make them feel is going to open way more doors. And it has opened way more doors for me than anything else in this world beyond the work ethic. Forever, though. I will believe hard work pays off. It yeah. may not be when you think it will be. It may yeah. not be where you think it will be, but something will come of your hard work. Yeah. And hopefully, eventually, you get to where you need to be at, whether you realize that's the spot to be or not. But, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, cream yeah. always rises to the top. Always. I have hopes. I agree yes. with you, Candace, 100%. 
Now, before we end the show, we do want to highlight an organization that we're working with on this in an effort to support paving the way for future generations faced with less favorable opportunities. State Farm and Locked On have paired up. They'll be giving a donation to the incredible organization, Everyone On, for every host we feature on this series, including Candace today. The mission of Everyone On is to unlock opportunity by connecting families in underserved communities to affordable internet services and digital literacy training. Doing so creates significant positive change in communities and society as a whole. A big thank you to our good neighbors at State Farm for their support on behalf of our hosts and helping pave the way for so many others in our communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm and Locked On Network share a common goal, helping to make our communities a better place. State Farm is committed to helping amplify individuals and organizations that lead the way in diversity, inclusion, and social good. Because we know that investing in community building and uplifting diverse voices is crucial to creating a sense of belonging. State Farm is proud to sponsor Paving the Way series and celebrating changemakers that have paved the way in making our neighborhoods a better place for everyone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.